0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and as usual, I am joined by Kevin and Brian. We are three artists, illustrators, filmmakers, and all round shit talkers that each week take a chunk of the endless stream of content delivered to us through Amazon, Netflix, Spotify, YouTube, Prime, Hulu, wherever we get our content. We grab a chunk of it, we watch it, and we talk about it. Given the nature of these conversations, they are very spoiler heavy, so If you haven't seen this week's episode of Loki, or maybe Rick and Morty, Season 5, Episode 1, check them out, come back and join us. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast. You can find us over on Instagram as well. All of our social handles are at TheEndlessCast. And if you want to suggest something for us to watch, we are TheEndlessCast at gmail.com. So get in touch with us there if you want to get involved. All of that being said, let's jump into the conversation. We have the usual rundown of trailers. We've got Loki. We've got New Rick and Morty. Um, and I watched a couple of movies. Is there, is there anything you guys want to bring up at the top of the show? Can we get a contentment check, Kevin? Uh, are you still content?
1: Um, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, and I think despite the haters and the people who don't want me to be happy or content... Um. Yes, I'm still content. Maybe a little less enthusiastic about it this week, but I'm still very much content. Um, I stopped smoking, which
0: is great. How how many days in? Um,
1: oh, this is my third day. Cool. With no, with no cigarettes or anything like that. And how
0: are you feeling? Is there any tension grand, or grand. No, anxiety? Or? No. No. <gasps> Nope,
1: not a, not announced, not a
0: thing. And did you? That's pretty. What did you do? Just cold mm-hmm. turkey, or what? What? Cold what, turkey.
1: Yeah, I'm not doing anything else. But uh, I listened to Alan Carr. Not, not the Alan Carr
0: who's on Channel
2: Four. I didn't catch that. Alan Carr, who's uh, Yeah, I didn't catch that. Could you do that again? <laughs> the, no. internet, the internet. That's why I have a Carr up. impression.
0: Oh, Can you sorry. do it again?
1: Why? <laughs> I don't know if I can listen to him telling me not to smoking. I listen to him for loads of reasons, but just, that's just, I don't know if he'd be. I think they actually they should do Alan Carr, read by Alan Carr.
0: Well, it's
1: a bad for you.
0: I remember, like I've, I've never been a smoker, but I do remember there was a, a hot minute where Alan Carr stopped smoking or stopped smoking by Alan Carr, or now's the time to quit smoking by Alan Carr. Um, was a kind of pop cultural moment amongst the smokers. So, what's what's the deal with it? What, it's a book?
1: I, I listened to the audiobook, um, to be honest, and especially just tells you how kind of just earth utterly pointless the whole thing is. You know? He literally just tells you how you're, like, you're addicted to nicotine, uh, you know? You're, you're you have an addiction basically, and it's it's destructive, and it like it doesn't enhance experiences; it takes away from experiences. You should not envy the smoker when you're quitting. You should be pity the smoker when you're quitting. He says like, oh, people would be like, oh, well, I'm not gonna live forever, and then he would be like, yeah, true. Like, oh, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and it's just like, well, you're not. Are you, are you actively walking around trying to get hit by a bus? Like, you know, so you know, we all we all like uh, look both ways before we cross the road, uh, and like every cigarette you take, um. You know, it could be it could be their
0: one. Okay. So it, it's literally what? It's just a, a a man presenting well articulated reason?
2: It's kinda of like neuro linguistic programming, a little bit. Yes.
1: What Brian said. But well, I also was thinking the same go
2: thing. Go on. <laughs>
0: Brian. No. Well like I'm assu- I'm assuming I'm I assuming rather- this isn't just for it to be as effective as people say it is, and especially using uh, the concept of neurolinguistic programming, there's obviously some behavioral science to the order of his arguments, the words that he uses, the way he presents it.
1: And I'm just gonna say something to you, okay? Okay. I'm real soft. <laughs> I'm real impressionable. Right. It's not. It's not. It's not hard to change my mind on on some things. Okay. Don't fuck this up for me. Don't deconstruct it to where. But thinking, it, you know it, it's it just not, it's not so it's
2: it's no linguistic program <laughs> and it's everything he's saying is right.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Alan Carr's Speed Racer is the best movie you've seen this year.
1: Yeah, I see. Probably wouldn't work on me.
0: <laughs> You're, you en- en-
2: envy the person that hasn't seen Speed Racer for they get to see it again. <laughs> if he's That's back the on the time. cigarettes um, at any point in the future, I'm going to blame you entirely for deconstructing this.
1: It's Aiden's fault.
2: Yeah, so his okay. health is on you okay. now
0: okay. There you go All right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that actually makes me feel better Because I don't have to be responsible For my own health I was uh, <clears throat> um, Yeah especially Because uh, I'm real soft
2: real impressionable. My people pleaser You, w- you wouldn't stop smoking you know, for me though I told you I'm be out somewhere in How important it was to me And you wouldn't stop for me well, That's clearly uh, not Clearly not true.
1: <laughs> I did stop for you, bright.
0: <laughs> Does um do people in your workplace or in your your home situation smoke?
1: Um, no, no, uh, <clears throat> no. Eva wouldn't smoke. If anything, she'd smoke when I would smoke. So if I so she
2: smokes smoke. 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 Uh, um... <laughs> yeah,
0: kind of, that was kind of my reaction to that would as not. well. She doesn't smoke. She would be smoking when I smoke. Well, you smoke
1: but like she she wouldn't smoke like kind of uh she might have a cigarette at nighttime type of thing like or she was like three or four drinks in but she wouldn't she wouldn't be as much of a smoker as i am however i was a bad influence on her okay because she did stop she did stop and then i stopped because she stopped and then i when i started she kind of started to get but like uh i was catalyst there in the sense of if i if i started smoking she she would she wouldn't she'd have less of an issue quitting than I than I would put it that way. She's definitely more stronger willed and stuff. But uh yeah. Okay. She does she does, she wasn't as although of course like you know, she had the old nicotine monster in her brain, she wasn't as dependent on it as I would have been.
0: But Alan Carr's Welcome to Smoke Town is working for you.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, like I kind of like, you know, as an all all joking aside and stuff, uh I just, I just haven't thought about it. Like, it's not coming to my head, which is really good. It's like, it's like, obviously the book, you know, kind of presents itself a certain way. I think the book just kind of validated, would validate a lot of the insecurities of like,
2: I don't know if I can do it. Well, like, a a lot of them as reasons well as this kind of idea stop, it's you know really what I mean? hard to quit. And it's put out there by tobacco companies. Because they don't want you to quit. So a lot a lot of people, yeah. you, you've got more reasons to... Yeah, operate. of course not, yeah. Than to quit because your reasons for quitting for your health and stuff, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the same logic as getting hit by the, the bus. It's like, yeah, this is bad for me, but I'm fine now. So, you know, am I going to get sick? So, so part of the barrier to
0: quitting is the psychology that it's like, you, you think think it's it's hard to quit. It's, 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 uh, I'm too
2: dependent on it. It's too, it's too much of a habit. I enjoy it too much. All these reasons that you talk yourself into so so you, you, your reasons for not quitting are the same as your reasons for, for quitting, essentially. And it's just about putting the ones for quitting at the forefront, because a mm. lot of it is just your own doubt and misinformation, because it's like, I can't do this because X, Y, and Z. And it's actually a case of, well, no, here's, you want to do it. And here's some very valid reasons. And here's, here's putting them at the forefront of your brain, instead of letting these kind of a uh, the doubt and negative self-talk take the forefront. Because it's much easier to say, essentially, like, we do a lot of things that we tell ourselves we're going to do, whether it's, I will do this or I won't do this, but we're more likely to tell ourselves uh, a negative thing. Uh, I can't, or I won't, or I don't. We rarely tell ourselves repeatedly something that, you know, actually, I am going to, not even, like, I can or whatever. It's, like, I am, or I will, or I am doing this. And it, it's, it's, it's just switching that, that dialogue really in the, in the brain.
1: Do you know, do you know what's funny though? Like kind of when like, cause the book kind of tells you like, once you stop smoking, you're not a smoker, you know, it's basically kind of like, you're not quitting cigarettes. You've quit cigarettes. You don't smoke, you know, but it's so funny. It's, it's, and it's like so funny. Even non-smokers kind of say, you tell them like, oh, you've quit or whatever. They're so judgy. They're like, they're like, just kind of like, oh, what th- how many times, have you, how many times is this now? Or like, kind of like, oh, how long do you think it's going to last? Or blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, kind of, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that to somebody, say, who was like, say, an alcoholic. You'd, you'd be far more kind of like, uh, sympathetic or something. Or, you know, somebody who's addicted, had other addiction issues. Yeah. Or somebody who was going through something. You wouldn't just be like, eh, so, someone's trying to lose weight, I'd say. You, or exercise in the gym, gym. You wouldn't be like, okay, so how long is this glass this time? you know what i mean like you'd, you'd be like that's a really shitty attitude to be you don't approach things like that you just yeah you, you you encourage you support you know but um but yeah it's like but even it's like even non-smokers are brainwashed to think smoking uh, is impossible to quit you know what i mean
0: i hear you yeah yeah but uh yeah
1: but sure like the thing is like i, I had a really stressful day and work one of the days it's a good day but stressful you know that kind of like I was up to my eyes. I didn't have a, a second to myself. It was back to back customers and all that kind of stuff. You know, I feel like if that was any of the day, if that was if, if there was any day, I was going to kind of like say give in uh, for like stress reasons or it's tough or this or that. It was going to be the first day on a day like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, but uh, I didn't think about it. Cool. All
0: right,
1: thanks for the support. you comes.
0: <laughs> I'm very supportive. Have you seen Thank You for Smoking?
1: The lobbyist movie with your man, 2 Face. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's a good no. movie. There's lots of scenes of people smoking. It's, you should check it out.
1: I would pity those people
2: now. Ian. You're playing. You're playing
0: a dangerous game. I mean, it's you. I uh, you did put the responsibility of his health on my shoulders, and you're. It's not. It's
2: not even that. It's just. It's. Just, it'd be so easy for him to to get a similar revenge on you just once he finds something. Just, just something to twist. You know. I mean, it's 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 any vice. <laughs>
1: It's something It Aiden is secure about. Me. I'll do, do it at the Aiden.
0: He's my friend. I'm doing it, it on your behalf. Tell I love <laughs> Brian will do it. On your behalf. So last week we mentioned um, uh, a movie called uh, Lost in the Switch Gra- Grass or Murder in the Switchgrass or something like that with Bruce Willis. Um, and I, I brought it up because I was like, oh, it looks like a kind of all right Bruce Willis movie, um, at least in terms of production value. Who
2: else was in that? I saw a trailer with somebody else in the, the thumbnail. I didn't realize they were in it. I just remember thinking, that's a silly title.
0: What is Switchgrass? Is that a thing we should know? Is that a specific?
2: It's the grass
1: you can put between your fingers and you kind of go like... And it makes a car noise or an engine noise. Uh, I don't know whether I'm just just assuming that's what I would
0: have. Uh, It's called Midnight in the Switchgrass and it has Megan Fox, Megan Fox, Emile Hirsch, Machine
2: Gun Kelly. Is that where she met Machine Gun Kelly then?
0: Are they together? Yeah. Well, that's, I would imagine so. Switchgrass is just
2: long grass.
0: Well, I, I I, brought that up last week because, you know, raised on Die Hard and Bruce Willis' Planet Hollywood at its peak, A-lister type of thing. He's been doing such uh, not-good movies um, for a while now. And this actually looked like there was you know decent production values in it and I was like oh cool this might actually be you know the sixth sense after I'm going to assume no well ultimately it looks like no but this week again they they put out a trailer called Out of Death and this is about a small town cop on holiday by the looks of it visiting his daughter who witnesses Honestly, let's
2: let's just write let's just write a Bruce Willis film I reckon between the three of us we could write something solid.
0: <laughs> they they stumble upon the daughter witnesses a cop killing an informant or something and then the the two small town cops are trying to kill the daughter and Bruce Willis stumbles upon it and there are shots in this trailer with Bruce Willis like walking around it. Honest to god it looks like someone took out a camera phone and shot him in the garden. It's like keep the bushes on your left-hand side and we'll keep the shot at that angle so you don't see the house. It looks, I'm I'm tempering myself because I want to be kind to people that are trying to make films. It don't look good, guys. Um,
2: It don't look good. So You're just making a case here for us to do the same thing. To what? I'm sure between the three of us, no, I'm sure between the three of us, we could get an iPhone and shoot a Bruce Willis film. It just sounds like you're making a case for us to do it. That's all I'm saying.
1: You know I mean, Bruce. If Bruce gets on board, I'll get on board. Okay. But only until That's Bruce. Right.
0: So, I mean, we're we're rooting for you, Bruce. Uh, please. Death uh, Wish was great. Was it good? No. Oh. If you
1: want a good, if you want a good uh, revenge movie, Death Sentence with Kevin Bacon. That's a good movie. If you've not seen it, it's very very good. There's a great like one shot uh, or continuous shot between a multi-level uh, car park. It's a really really good scene. It's very impressive.
0: I've seen that scene. Yeah, it's a, that is a good scene. Um, I didn't see the whole film. Yeah, it's a good movie. I love it. I love that
1: movie. It's very good. It's good. It's a good narrative. Uh, it's a good take. I was going to say narrative, but I don't know if it's the right word. But it's a realistic approach to what revenge does. You know, if you seek revenge, it doesn't. You know, kind of like it's like an eye for an eye. It doesn't. It doesn't like kind of. Uh, it's like you, you sink to their level. You're not raising above your own. Yeah, you know. Uh, and like it's just like kind oh, of there's a scene in it where Kevin bacon is basically indescribable uh, or indistinguishable from kind of the tubs he was hunting down you know and it's that moment of realization of kind of like yeah 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 stupid like, what have I become kind to of get thing? revenge yeah it's just, it's a good movie it's a good it's a good take on that kind of on the revenge thing and, the, and, and I'm not gonna say the reality of it because it's ridiculous as a movie but you know yeah. what I mean like kind of in the terms of just the psychology of it that like yeah it's, it's the
2: like, same I'm director as Aquaman and one of the Fast and Furious films, isn't it? James Wan. He did Saw and then he did Aquaman. And he did one of the Fast and Furious films, I think. The Saw
0: movies have never, ever appealed to me. I can't deal with that fucking just torture.
2: I think the
1: first one was decent, but I think it just ran away with itself.
2: Yeah, the, the first one is, is not as bad. I mean, they, they wanted people to think it was much gorier and more violent than it actually was. That was part of the marketing. It was a kind of simple concept that was executed pretty well. And then they, they got very, very silly and nonsensical. God, I
1: remember an ex-girlfriend. I'm pretty sure it was Saw, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure it was Saw, like, kind of for Halloween. And God bless her, because she wasn't really into horror movies. I had booked, like, something in the cinema where it was just, like, four or five Saw movies in a row. It was brutal. I, I didn't enjoy it. There was, say, the premiere of the fourth one or something, but you had to watch one, two, and three in a row first to get to the fourth one. It was, it was tough going. Like, I, I I like horror movies. Like, don't get me wrong, I love horror movies. I hate screaming in movies. I really just don't like it.
2: The thing, like, there's a bad horror film, there's something very empty about them. There's a kind of a, a negativity or a nihilism to them that is just... Not fun, and it it it, I I find them, yeah. Like like a bad like something can be nihilistic and and it can be thrilling in a way because you know there's a bleakness to it. But like when it when it's a bad film, it's just like this is relentlessly bleak and it's like accidentally fucking finding yourself on live leak and watching you know five atrocities in a row and you're just like oh god, what what have I watched? What is this? Well, that ever happened to you? <laughs> no. I, I, It's happened to me a couple of times where... I, I can't even remember how. Like, I'll, I'll click on... I'd say it was usually through something like Imager or something like that. that I still remember you, know, like you
0: sending me that video of the, the guy who shot himself at the press conference. Bud Dwyer. Yeah.
2: I... I I, I didn't really... Say, I think we were in the... I think we were in the classroom and I just played it and you watched uh, yeah, it. And I was and there. Yeah. To I don't, yeah. It's been, but
0: it's because of you. I've seen a man shoot himself in the head. <laughs> That's
2: fair. Yeah. Have you heard of that? KeV
1: is that the guy he did on the news?
2: I think it's happened a couple of times, but yeah, there was a politician, and he was caught embezzling um, money. I think, and he was holding a press conference or making it, a was a statement he caught or accused? Basically.
0: I think he still denied it. Maybe I'm wrong on that.
2: I, yeah, I think yeah he wasn't even caught necessarily. Um, he was just kind of accused And Yeah he Brought an envelope with him That people assumed He was You know his statement was in there But he had a gun And he shot himself on air It's awful Putting like a A, a room for the people Through that Yeah thing.
0: I think he says something Along the lines If you've got a heart
2: condition You should look away now Or something You know like He, he said he said something To the effect of like This could hurt someone Or something like that mm. So he gave like <laughs> He gave The tiniest of warnings mm. For people to live yes, away. Yes, but it's, and, it's a pretty, it's,
1: it's a pretty horrific thing to
2: do oh, it to, is. to people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time, he was like, I, I don't remember the full details, so I can't remember if he was guilty or not, but you know, there's so many people who there's like, there's, there's so many people that there's evidence against and they do stuff and they're still around and they never get convicted, you know, and this guy was obviously feeling immense guilt, I guess, and. Yeah, just kind of spiraled and did this. Anyway, my my point being that, uh, you know, I think probably through Imgur or something where you see something kind of spectacular and it happens to be like something tame from LiveLeak and you kind of click for more context. And then before you know it, you've watched five videos of just something. Anyway, what I mean is it's that same hollow, empty feeling when you watch. Bad horror movies when it's just about the spectacle of the the violence committed on a person. I don't even mind gore, but it's it's the when it's a lot of it in a row, and it doesn't serve anything, then it's just kind of like
0: I went I went through a period in my like, you know, late teens of like watching horror movies because like I remember as a kid I, I could I couldn't handle it. Like I knew the Jaws was supposed to be a horror movie that people liked, but I, I watched you know the Scream and I know what you did last summer were definitely like a big thing slasher movies were huge at the time um and i watched a bunch of horror movies but it genuinely i do remember coming out of the cinema after skeleton key or wrong turn or something and i went these movies are just let's kill six 20 somethings in a row and end on potentially killing more and i just like i saw the pattern and went i'm done with this thing i don't need to watch this anymore now of course there'll always be an outlier film made by some genius that's like redefined i I think job of it i think it's kind of the same
2: way though if you were to watch like the entire transformers franchise in a row it would leave you with the same empty (laughs) feeling you know i'm not not even joking it's like it's like when you watch a lot of bad movies beast wars that's as
0: good a segue transformers 7 is coming out uh with anthony ramos who is in in the heights and um uh, an Honest Thief with Liam Neeson Transformers 7's coming how do we feel about the Transformers franchise
2: pass
1: uh, I've not watched one um, I, to be honest it was when he started I always say it it was when he started crying in job interviews I saved the world and I can't even tell anyone and it's just like yeah because you sound like a lunatic
0: that's the second that's the Shia LaBeouf one yeah the second one
1: it's the one with, without Megan
0: Fox and they introduce that other it's lady the third one Rosing Huntington um, Whiteley
1: yeah, yeah, no, nah, nah, no interest. I, I remember walking coming out with the first one that time. I remember you drinking whiskey. Now yeah, it ginseng. <laughs> Show us that other glass. <laughs> Come on.
2: Why are you shaming him for for drinking? What's this? I'm
1: what's not what's shaming you? him for drinking. Uh, I
2: think you were. I'm not. Uh, it sounds but, sounds but like
1: it. He he was shaming me for. He was being destructive against my non-smoking things. And I'm just saying I wouldn't judge somebody. Sounds like you were. I'm just ta- I mean, I'm just saying kettle, pot, hairy much.
0: <laughs> so, Where about um, hair? Rosie Huntington-Whiteley? Um,
1: I remember seeing the first one, loved it. Came out of it kind of thinking that was really, really great at the time in the cinema. I loved it. I thought it was such a fun experience. But outside of that, then, not watched again, not being really interested in it much, you know? But I didn't enjoy the first one I saw initially because it was just, I guess it was just fun to see big, massive live action kind of. Transformers. I'll never
2: forget seeing the animated film for the first time and just it blowing my mind on so many levels, like the soundtrack and just various things. I've zero interest in a Transformers movie at this point. Like, you know, I think I think Beast
1: Wars is literally just there to kind of get me into it now at this stage.
2: I wasn't even a fan of those, to be honest, like I, I, by the time they came out, I had lost interest in them completely. Um, You didn't watch Beast Wars? No. I love Beast
0: Wars. Yeah, Beast Wars was kind of, um, it was an early days CG animated show as well, you know, so there was the sort of curiosity of a cartoon that looked that way, you know, the CG of it all, like kind of post reboot. Do you remember reboot?
1: Reboot, yeah, not reboot. Uh,
0: but I just, I think, the
1: I was a perfect child. There's to love so everything many and want the of everything.
2: better properties with giant robots that haven't been okay, tarnished that, by that... that haven't been tarnished by the Michael Bay of it all. You know. Okay,
1: so so say one though, that isn't
2: some kind of say anime. Say
1: say one that's kind of like
2: Transformers is anime. They're all anime. It's a giant robot, they're all anime, of course they're all anime. Don't be stupid. Okay, it's... God, it's really shit on Kevin Day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking up for you, you prick. <laughs> you're, you're a piece of shit. You're a, you're robot a robot fucking piece
0: of shit, you know that. I I hear exactly what you're saying, Scruff, that there are there are many other uh, robot-based properties that could be transferred. Um, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing... Big Guy and Rusty? Big Guy and Rusty, uh, fucking Gigantor, uh. uh giant what's the name of the thing you like big robo giant robo that's the one
2: net Nef, netflix are doing a live action gundam yes which is uh you know
0: precursed by the animation being put on there now in the next
2: yeah but like that's not going to be made to the same scale as a transformers movie unfortunately and that's kind of annoying like give it give it the full treatment you know the frustrating thing about
0: a lot of the properties that we talk about is that like While we're sick of them and we're sick of seeing fucking sequels of them, generally we do have a sort of openness and nostalgia or love for the property to various scales between us. You know, I think Brian's got a degree of indifference towards Transformers. There's definitely a narrative there. There's definitely design there. There's definitely stuff in a Transformers world that would make a great Transformers movie. But this fucking franchise is all over the goddamn shop and is as much about showing the American military looking cool as it is about showing a Transformer. It's just a fucked up franchise and you want, you know, I always go to the Kevin Feige or the the um, John Favreau of it all. Somebody who knows, loves and has a solid idea of the property, given the control to make it the way it kind of should be made rather than whatever fucking ripped out of their head on monster. And
2: I think that's what's happening with the Gundam movie, to be honest. As far as I know, it's uh, Jonathan Vogt-Roberts. Is directing that oh, cool. I think, Or okay. producing it at least And he's a big He's a big anime Yeah he's been man. floating
0: around That and so. Metal Gear For ages as well
2: Yeah Yeah so You know
1: Yeah but we're always seeing These like Anime Live action things And it's like Like Attila What was that one I watched Attila Warrior Angel right?
0: Alita Akita.
1: Alita Oh my god I hated that movie And when I realised It was part one I was very very upset.
2: I don't think it's a bad movie, thank, to be honest. Thank God it
1: was in the cinema, so no one could see my tears. I, I, I think and... there's
0: so much in it that is good. The fact that it doesn't work is frustrating. There's, like, there's great stuff in it, but there's, like... There's great stuff in it, but there's stuff that's, it, like, clearly part It's of... a
2: solid movie. It's a solid, like, average... You know, has more good than bad in it, I think, to be fair. Oof. I think so. I... No not <laughs> um,
0: another in, speed racer for me boys It does have the sort of like Aragon, Avatar, Last Airbender And Alita thing where it's like Clearly setting up sequels that are never going to happen Even though there's Dragonheart
1: had like 4 sequels I like Dragonheart But I, I was going to ask what, what property though would you like to see get like a Live action revival Because Beast Wars is kind of essentially getting I think B-Sports is literally just trying to get people back on board with Transformers and it's going for that generation. But they
0: acknowledged that the Bumblebee movie changed the tone, was a cleaner, clearer, better version of a Transformers movie. And I I definitely remember afterwards somebody in the fucking production end of it going, we hear what you're saying, we see what what you like about this and we're just going to get the Michael Bay of it all back onto this and bring it in line with the rest of the franchise. I'm like, that's not what anybody wanted.
1: So funny. What would you like to see? Like, would you like a reboot of reboot
2: they did that
0: yeah it's on netflix yeah it's about kids that can travel into computers in a very tron way there's a reboot series on netflix no 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 okay. it, it's there, the it's there. Yeah, they've no, got it's to out. protect the, um, the mainframe they do seriously
2: yeah no okay so what would you like to see you're saying like a reboot or or no not reboot what no, not reboot, robot property is that it
1: not necessarily robot properties. like kind of, well, robot you could say our 90s property in terms of like stuff we would have watched they're obviously no, bringing them. back Beast Wars none of them
2: no
0: how did I see Phantom 99
2: there's nothing I miss
0: you'd like to see what Phantom 99 is that the guy in the purple suit yeah okay I know what you're saying there I think it's 2049 um, it, it's, it's a weird number I, I like that phantom as well I think that would be a cool thing to see but like they made I never
1: watched I never watched Aeon Flux but I feel it was the same animation people as Aeon Flux yes pretty sure it was Yeah, yeah.
0: and that Men in Black cartoon Peter Chung oh,
1: I love Men in Black cartoon that was brilliant but um, yes uh, that phantom that could be a great show
0: like a, a live action phantom Mm. Yeah, the the yeah. Phantom's a character I like a lot. Um, I like that movie with Billy Zane and Catherine Cedar jones Christy Swanson. Um, I like they made. I think there is an Italian version because Italy is big into that character. The, it's weird the way that this yes. character has kind of become regionalized. Like I think Norway mm. is a big Phantom country as well. They made a live action. There is a like you can look at it, a modern Phantom movie there. But I hear what you're saying in terms of like a mainstream global race kind of thing yeah brian just your flat sort of there's nothing in the catalogue of ip going backwards that you think would make a cool show or movie going forward
2: there's plenty that would make a cool there's definitely loads i just don't trust anybody to i just don't trust if if, if it gets green lit that right if
1: avi arad was gonna do it
2: (laughs) I just don't trust that if anything is going to get greenlit, it's that it's going to be greenlit for the right reasons. Okay. And,
0: well, you know. let's assume then, like, let's assume then that like everything is on the table, everyone's greenlighting fucking everything. Eventually, someone's going to convince some producer that it's a good idea to make it. like Polly Pocket just got fucking greenlit, right? It's right. going to be made. Let's take the approach of like, you're the guy making the Bruce Willis movie. If you wanted to make something for the right reasons from all the
2: IP in the past, what would you want to make? Then? I'd make a Street Fighter movie. Okay. Cool.
1: So that's a good show.
2: it will be Star Wars meets the MCU. You've got Shadow Law. Are you both drinking whiskey? You've got Sha- Shadow Law as Hydra and Ryu and Ken as Jedi. Guile as Nick Fury. Uh, these are all shorthand, but yeah. like, I, think, I think there's a solid, fun, not stupid, silly movie. From the Street Fighter thing.
0: So, do you think movie or do you think series or series of movies? Movie. One one movie, because it's tough yeah, to pull that you, many characters together in.
2: You don't need that many. Okay, just keep it limited. You need, you need, you know, M Bison. I'd, I would. He wouldn't go by M Bison. He'd be, he'd be Vega. Change the name to Vega because it's got a, got to remove the the earthly part of the character. He's a very Emperor Dart Vader type. Where does Bruce Willis fit into this? I don't know if you know that, but he's not M. Bison. He's Vega originally. and, and He's show... Balrog originally. No, Vega with the claw is Balrog. Oh. M. Bison, uh, M. Bison I... is Vega. So his name is okay. more reference to like the star, stars and stuff like that. But yeah, so change him from M. Bison to Vega, make him a kind of a Vader Emperor type figure Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. in
2: control of a hydra type Um, organization and guile is your whether you want to be you know nick fury or cap but he's kind of aware of what's happening and were you and ken are you're kind of you know i guess jedi in the sense that they're an opposing force like so it's something that doesn't really come across unless you've been following the games and stuff but m bison he's got this psychic energy effectively that he's he's you know it's why he is where he is and he's he's been destroyed and he's been reincarnated in like cloned bodies multiple times kind of like the emperor as well i guess um and then you're telling me
1: you're telling me there's an overarching storyline to the street Fighter games
2: kind of yeah yeah it's it's a bit it's a bit nonsensical but there's but there's a solid like i said there's a solid
0: premise action
2: comic movie to be made from that like I said, I I, w- I wouldn't trust anybody to, to well. I mean, you see, kind of as you right describe now. it, you
0: know, like they made a fucking hames of it. But 1993, 94, John Claude Van Damme is the leader of an organization trying to take down shadow law run by Mike M um, Bison. I don't know how Rio and Ken get involved in it. I can't remember. It's that very far back. stupid. Kylie it's Minogue stupid is his uh, Kobe Smolders. It's stupid. It's stupid. I think she's Cami. Yeah, she's she's Cami, but she's the the Kobe Smolders to his I Nick Fury, a, if you know what I'm saying. It's a,
1: it, it is a terrible movie, and he he did that movie instead of doing something else. I can't remember. Van Dam. He was off. Yeah, he was offered a big movie at the time, but he did Street Fighter instead.
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Street Fighter. It, it's there's so many of these things that are like for us anyway, or for our generation. There's 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 weight there, and we we want to see something cool come of it, but. Um,
2: Let's see what happens. No, you pick. I don't mean as well to make it real world. I mean like lean into the, the comic aspects of it. You know, mm. as a way to pull that off. Yeah,
1: I think the Toxic Crusader would be a good property, especially as people are more mm, no uh, conscious of. Not don't do it the the horrible bloody,
0: um, gross. The
2: actual way that would. it hang on. They are bringing it back, though, aren't they?
0: I think Trauma are making more of it. Yeah, yeah, they are bringing it back. The the the. The, there's stuff like that Kev That I would, I would disagree with you Because I think that only works As under budgeted yeah. Weirdo Nonsense. films Made by the people that Originally started making it and love it The minute you bring in a hired gun To make this weird thing Like they're not from the same Mindset or like caring About it the same way
1: It's, it's funny you say hired gun Hmm I bet you
0: James Gunn would do something like that. He's he's definitely, a, like, he's a...
1: He's worked for trauma, I think. He's yeah, he's, a, works
0: he's for a trauma yeah, guy. That's where he got to start, yeah. yeah. Hence the fucking tentacles and slime in his films.
1: I mentioned uh, Avi Arad.
0: Power Rangers, right?
1: I... Power Rangers, everything. He was a producer on the Marvel comic, Marvel stuff for years. Is he Power well, Rangers? I'm I thinking a
0: Saban. Haim Saban.
1: Um, I'm not sure. I'll be a Arad. I'm pretty sure I'd be, I could be wrong. I taught for years that he invented air hockey. Sold his idea for air hockey and then bought it to Marvel, Entertainment, and became a producer.
2: Say uh, nothing. Don't acknowledge it. Just move on. Just leave enough pause to edit and just move on.
1: Yeah, I'll be a rat He invented air hockey. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: Let's
0: let's move on. There was a new trailer for Shang Chi this week.
1: I think uh, the visuals in the fighting in it, like obviously the trailers show you that, like you know, condensed best bits, most fun, blah blah blah. But it looks great. And uh, remember, we were kind of saying like, oh, we were think it's Abomination, but uh, it, it's subtitles on the video says Abomination. Cool.
2: It's definitely Abomination. It's just I yeah. think he's fighting Wong.
0: Yeah. So. Who's Wong then? He's Doctor Strange's ally in. Uh, where are they from?
2: Kamertage is it? Kamertage. I'm
0: getting it mixed up with Kunlun. He definitely looks like a monk of Kamertage anyway. He's doing the sling ring circles the the throw up the shield there. So that's definitely that. It's just whether or not it's Wong. It'd be cool. It'd be a nice cameo. Nice building everything into each other. Yeah, because the way,
1: the way it looks like in the trailer, it's just like, I'm not ready for this. And, oh, you are. And then it's like him getting his ass kicked. But that's not necessarily him at all. You know, as an They're going to be completely different scenes, essentially.
0: Yeah, it, it's a different... like. The last trailer we saw was a pretty sort of comic, you know, fish out of water. Um, his friends don't know who he is kind of take on the, the story. This one leaned into the serious sort of like Kung Fu um, fight film of it. Um, so just showing us that the film hits on both tones. And the two big things for me anyway were there's a dragon there that either looks like Fin Fang Foom or um, the dragon of sort of Kunlun, which is the Iron Fist connection. Or oh, yes. um, and secondly, I'd say it's Finn Fang Secondly, uh, the abomination is clearly fighting uh, a monk of Kamatage. Whether or not that's Wong, those are the two takeaways from the trailer for me. The only reason I don't think it's Finn Fang Foom is he looks fuzzy, you know, like a furry dragon, like in Neverending Story. Finn Fang Foom
2: is very reptilian. Yeah, but they might have updated it to fit in line with Chim- the more the, Chinese the, the, the mythology the Eastern, and aesthetic. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Because it, it it doesn't make sense for him to be called Fin Fang Foom and to be reptilian. Yeah. You know?
0: And he's very much, I think, an alien in those comics, more so than like a dragon. Like he's walking around in pants and he, mm. he's landed in a spaceship. That's just because the kind of they rings. can't show reptile dick, though. I mean, this is true, but I don't think you. OK, well, they can't show any penis in that in that case. That's very true.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Right. They all wear pants. <laughs>
2: They could probably show reptile dick, though. That's the thing. They
1: probably, well, they could, but sure. They can show is, a dog's dick.
2: It? So why not reptile dick? Can they? Isn't Do necessary? they? Have they? Uh, of course they show reptile or dog dick. Yeah. Dogs have willies and they can show them on film. Yeah, I watched Homer
1: Brown there recently. There was some penis in it. But there you go.
2: Hashtag show me reptile dick. Hashtag wang chi. That's insulting.
1: I'm gonna say it's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on record and say it's definitely Fing fan Foom. It has to be.
0: Well, there's there's scenes in the trailer that like show much larger scale, sort of almost mythical battles with big sort of mythological kind of battley beasts around the place, like lion, guardian lion type thing. Yes, yeah, so I saw
1: that. The foo, I think it's Foo Dog. Foo Dog is a, a guardian of of like uh, Eastern temples and stuff. More, I think they're more. I don't. I I don't want to. I don't want to be ignorant, but I think it. I think it is more kind of like uh, Chinese as opposed to say Japanese or something.
0: Chinese, uh,
2: Korean. The guardian lion.
1: Yes. Food ops. Yeah. Uh,
0: So, Brian, then you were saying you looked at the Snake (coughs) Eyes trailer and you were drawing some comparisons.
1: I just want to say one thing about abomination because I just watched obviously the Hulk. Go on. It looks. It looks pretty much like. Straight up abomination. For I, I was movies. thinking
0: that. Yeah, I was. Think-
1: That's what I just want to say. Yeah, it's it's got the yeah. fins
2: though. That abomination actually. Has, yeah, it's got the fins. Yeah, so they they've changed the look so that it's more comic accurate. It wouldn't
1: surprise me if he, if he evolved. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly, oh it yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. kind of evolving in the movie, you know. But yeah. it definitely looks like he has the rigid. Bone skeletal structure, yeah. The kind of the proportions and stuff, and then as you said, Brian, yeah. Well, I didn't know it was a but I I felt like they were go, they were kind of going off of the the previous in, in well, like uh, interpretation. Thunderbolt
0: Ross has, like quietly, crept his way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like he's kept, sort of.
2: You know, like the Norton Hulk is, pretty much story wise, is in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm, mm,
1: yeah. Mm. So which, which I'm fine with,
0: you know? Yep. Yeah. So to follow that logic, next time we see Mark Ruffalo, I want to see a little Brazilian Jiu Jitsu kick in, right? Um Snake Eyes trailer, Brian, did you have any thoughts?
2: Snake Eyes watching you. So much so much better than I expected it to be. This, this is a third G.I. Joe movie. hmm Um Yeah, I was kind of surprised, you know, kind of some similarities to Shang-Chi being that there's an element of this, you know, sprawling criminal enterprise that a character is kind of being brought from the outside into. So there's a couple of parallels, um, kind of predominantly Asian cast as well, which is cool to see. So kind of occupying similar space and looked a lot better than I kind of would I would have expected it to be you know you you wouldn't really know that this is um, coming from the same place that the Transformer movies it is isn't it it's
0: Hasbro as well you know
2: it's Hasbro yeah Yeah. so uh, I was kind of impressed yeah Um, maybe it's because my expectations were so low I don't know if it'll actually be any good or not but Mm. the newest trailer I was I kind of thought you know I found myself you know, if I kinda of compare it to a Fast Nine trailer where I'm looking at it going, God, I hate these films and they're dumb. And <laughs> they're, I hate that we I hate I hate that we pretend that they're more than they are because they're dumb. It's like if this was if if this movie was called Triple X instead of Fast Nine, no one would be watching it. You know? It it gets it gets so much more of a pass than other Vin Diesel properties. But yeah, I'm just kind of watching an F-line trailer kind of going, no pass, no interest. And then watching a G.I. Joe trailer going, that looks solid. It looks okay, doesn't it? I will it? check that out. I yeah. will check it out. I have
0: I have watched the previous two G.I. Joe movies and I have, like, they have been just in one ear and out the other. Like, I don't They're entirely bad. rate them, you know, like, was it, was it Marlon Wayans in basically an Iron Man suit in the first one? Um,
2: and Channing Tatum
0: yeah and then the rock was in the second one brought in to save the franchise with bruce willis back to bruce willis i see yeah i know i'm I'm, I'm amazed it's it's in this way um the fast nine i saw some clips of the fast nine trailer as well i guess they go to space there's a shot in the trailer i keep seeing where either dominic or somebody else is standing on top of a moving car and then a car in the lane next to them flips and goes straight at him and it looks like he catches the car and i don't know what the hell is happening because he either gets entirely squashed by a car or he catches a car
2: i know what happens go on it's a it's a stupid movie that's what happens oh okay yeah i gotcha zing (laughs) Walked right into it.
0: Apparently, somebody asked if they were to make a spin-off movie of any of the characters from the Fast and the Furious franchise, who would they like to see? And Vin Diesel was, I think, a Dominic Toretto standalone film would be
2: useful. Is that him? Yeah, he, he, he's he got a standalone film. It's called Triple X.
0: It's called Fast and the Furious 1 through fucking 9. He wants to spin off the lead, the, at least the very least, it's the so, root character. It's so funny
1: how, like, kind of, like... I know this is funny, a really stupid thing to say, but it's almost like Fant- The Fast and the Furious is a living, real-world example of the telephone game. It's just kind of like somebody basically explained the premise of the first one to somebody else. That person really liked it and enthusiastically explained it to the next person. And by the end of it, you kind of end up with like The Fast and Furious 9. And it's just like this has gone wildly out of hand. This, the first one is so far away from what this one Remember is.
2: when they were robbing DVD players. DVD players in trucks. Now, now they're all Captain America with cars, basically. Like, they're all special secret super agents. Do you, do you know, like, it's
1: like... It's, you know it's American it's
2: James just, Bond. But, oh, not, but, but when James Bond like, is at its I, high, height of stupidity, it's American James Bond. <laughs>
1: But you know what? Like I, I watch a lot of movies, and I watch like you know I could watch like uh, different franchises that have kind of stuck around for for years, you know. But uh, I just, I, I can't watch Fast and Furious. Like you know, you like, if I see, I just no, I just can't. It's just not. There's like there's nothing there for me. And as much as I like silly movies, action movies, and turning my brain off. It's just because, just because of what it is and where it came from. It's just like what. For
0: next week, let's watch Hobbs and Shaw. No. Okay. Kevin, I will watch Hobbs and Shaw.
1: <laughs> I did think of a movie that we could watch the other day. Oh,
0: Brian gosh. will watch Adam Driver's Annette. It, it did so well. It can.
1: <laughs> what about Man Thing from like two thousand and nine?
0: Giant size Man Thing. Have you watched it? No, I haven't. I just remember that comic book cover
2: from the fucking seventies being just the biggest penis illusion I've ever seen. Snake eyes, snake eyes. The snake eyes out. No, I'm just saying. What trailer did we have lined up after Snake?
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Suicide Squad. Garbage.
1: I'll go see it. I'll go see it. I'll go see it.
0: I will
2: see it. Yeah. I. I, I, We talked about Suicide Squad before. I don't like Gunn. I don't like his sensibility. He's. Those unearthed Twitter jokes, he might not make those type of jokes anymore, but that's still his sensibility. It's... Yeah. He's still that person. He's... he's. I don't like his, his taste. I don't like his his style. humor has basically,
1: yeah. although that's stuff was problematic, say, or is problematic now, his humor has changed and grown, but it's only changed and grown within that kind of sensibility. Yeah,
2: he exactly. He, it's the same jokes, but it's just, you know, what he, what he can get away with, you know. What he can get away with, yeah. yeah. Peacemaker um, just sums that up perfectly. Like that that line about the butthole and I know, yeah. It's just that's a
1: that's the second that's see, that's the second kind of like uh, joke that a peacemaker kind of makes like that. And I just feel like kind of
2: it's gonna be a lot of that and it's gonna be exhausting after five minutes. I've got great stamina for buttholes. I will watch You see what I mean? I it's exactly it. that type of thing. It's exhausting. <laughs> Did he say it's that was that Aiden thing? Aidan said that. Yeah, it is, um, and I've had um, I've had it up to here with it. He is drunk, though, to be fair. He is drunk. That's true. He is drunk. <laughs> Sorry, going back to back to Suicide
1: <laughs> it's, The glass empty. Please stop.
2: <laughs> still there. It's great.
0: Um, Top it up. That's your breath I think that trailer was. I, I enjoyed that trailer. I don't know. I'll I, I want. I just want superhero movies to be fun and I always root for them so I will watch Suicide Squad yeah, I, what I did think was funny and I said it to you during the week was that very much made it look like an Idris Elba movie and I'm curious to see if we get a trailer that makes it look like a John Cena movie makes it look like a, a Joel Kinnaman movie yeah it's different cuts like yeah. this, I, it isn't a it isn't an Idris Elba movie is it no it, it it isn't a Harley Quinn movie like who like it'll be an ensemble film. I'm just kind of looking sort of
2: warily at the marketing. Elba's character is going to be at the heart of it, and it's because bloodshot. Right? It was originally it was it was up in the air whether it was going to be Will Smith returning or not, and that's why there's the daughter angle. Like Smith's arc from the first film, you know, with him just being this guy who's doing this stuff for family yeah. is transplanted onto Elba's character. The reason why it looks like an Elba movie is because it was a Will Smith movie. Up until movie. the last minute it was up in the air whether he was going to be in or not. And that's why.
1: Why, did him, why didn't Will Smith come back?
2: He the, the first one was a shit show and he was like nah I took a chance on this and no. Fair play. Fair enough. He, he was kind um, of I, tiptoeing again... into
0: superhero film territory like being a mm-hmm. part of someone be. else's franchise and it as, as Brian says he took a chance and it didn't quite work so why wouldn't he just go off and keep making the stuff that's very much Will Smith centric you know it's not someone else's character Hancock might be a superhero movie but it's a original character that's only associated with Will Smith
2: you know like for me for me everything good about the first Guardians movie also has if he's got red table talks to do <laughs> Yeah, you can cut a good trailer, but you're just just in for disappointment. You heard it here first.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I was was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and he made a good point, but it's just like, it's also a massive advertising for the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just like, from the boat who brought you the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's just kind of like, it's, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not even subtle. It's just a huge,
0: I suppose that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, but it's, it's trying just, to bring the love that kind of people lame. have for Guardians to the Suicide Squad franchise. And every so often I see a hashtag release the air cut for Suicide Squad. And I, I don't know what my algorithm is showing me. Um, I see that a lot. But I did a little, like, search for, like, how much is this getting hashtagged and it is not I don't. It's see, not. It's not. It isn't. I'm. I'm seeing the hashtag for some reason, and it's making me believe that there's a push for it, but I don't see it in the same way that we did the Snyder cut. I would have been. I would
1: have been more interested in that movie, than the Snyder cut, because like the Airs movie was there, and it was just edited really badly. But uh, I potentially think if his one, you know, I'm not saying it's better, but I would have been more interested to see it than Snyder's one. Yeah.
0: Well, it just Air has a different track record. And I'm curious to see what Air would have done there, as opposed to, we know what Snyder does. You know? And, you know, when we saw the Snyder cut. Fuck's sake, we're back on this. Moving on. Um, Idris Elba had a trailer for a Western called The Harder They Fall. That's
1: like the second Western he's done in, like, the last two years. Westerns are coming back, I'm telling you. Uh,
0: they just, nah, they're, they're not.
1: Brian, you, you, are, you are a real negative man today, Brian. And no one appreciates it. How about, instead of saying no they're not, how about saying...
2: Maybe. 310 to Yuma, but Cowboys probably. and Aliens. Uh, well, start there's, with there's been plenty of attempts Revenants. to bring it back. But it, it's, not. It's, not coming thing,
0: back. it's not a thing that you bring back. It's just every so often they'll make a Western. Like the yeah. the when people talk about bringing back Westerns, what they've got in their head is the 30s, 40s and 50s when once they built a small Western town on a back lot, they just exactly. made 4,000 Westerns because it was cheap as fucking chips. And easy to do, and the 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 biggest fucking um, the perversion of the or the the oh there's a word I'm looking for the biggest disgrace that is at the heart of the Lone Ranger is the cost of the Lone Ranger. It's a fucking western. It should have been horses and fucking desert. And for some reason, it's a two hundred and fifty million dollar film, because they ran a train through a roller coaster for some reason. But they still make good westerns. They just don't make 50 a year yeah 310 to Yuma's is great I really love open yes. range I love open range Kevin Costner Robert Duvall uh, Unforgiven is a classic like the 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 thing is they might have made 4000 westerns through the 30s 40s and 50s but some of the best westerns of all time have been made in the 80s 90s and early 2000s to my mind
1: yeah so it's I me mean, it's absolutely great ones yeah even Napalooza uh, it was Ed Harris' directorial debut and he did the soundtrack to it. Viggo uh, Morton is mm. in it. Uh, Renny Zellweger. That's a great movie. I like both Tomahawk. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Oh, why is it escaping my head? The HBO series Dead. Deadwood. Deadwood, yeah. Like, you know, there's some great stuff out there. But um, I was just saying, I've seen, I've just seen a handful more. But then again, I kind of, I like Western. So obviously I'm going to be aware of them kind of coming into, uh, you know,
0: uh, my mind the Idris trailer looks fun like it looks like a train robbery and they get to the big vault in the middle of the the back carriage that's guarded by a half dozen people and they get it open and out comes Idris Elba which is kind of a cool intro for a character Um, the cast uh, Regina King Zazie beats I love I, I just I love the guy and then I just loved seeing his name on screen because I forget his name and then I see it and I go that's a great fucking name Delroy Lindo
1: Lindo is Portuguese
0: for handsome. That, that's that's true. Um, you'd know him from like that's my nickname. Um, fucking things for five years. Bloods. Yeah, five bloods. Recently enough, um, I always think about him in um, Get Shorty. Haven't seen Get Shorty in years. Uh,
1: Delroy Lindo is
0: great. There's no real clear indication what the story of the movie is. It was a kind of a good teaser trailer. Um, I look forward to it. Uh, Schmigadoon is a thing I watched the trailer for which is Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key and it's like a couple who are having an argument get uh, wander into a magical musical world of Schmigadoon which is a play on the um, musical Brigadoon I think the only issue I have with this is the name <laughs> the name annoys me because it's just like we get that you're playing on Brigadoon but just it does feel like unless I find out that schmig means something particular in the show um, I don't know Barry Sonnenfeld behind it kind of got that sort of like pushing daisies hyper real kind of thing going it looks to be a series though like when I look it up online it's listed as like a couple of episodes I'm like that I don't know how that's gonna work because it cause it's kind of does have a little bit of a sort of groundhog day vibe until they do X they can't get out of this magical scenario but I like everybody involved um Kristen Chenowitz, Jane Krakowski, Cecily Strong, Keegan, Michael Key, Alan Cumming is in there um so it's one to watch out for. I think it's an apple exclusive
2: um
0: Boo. hmm Boo yeah, you know you could subscribe for a trial for Apple and watch Megadune. I know you, no, I know you're I'm looking happening. forward to it, Brian. Mm, no. <laughs> well we get on to the 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 main events here we got Rick and Morty, did you guys watch the new episode? Yes, yes. Would you be Rick and Morty fans?
2: Yeah. I think the there was episodes in the last season were very weak, I think, if I'm remembering it correctly. But
0: overall, yeah, I like the it's show. It's
2: a tough one. Like I
0: think the thing that they're always gonna get asterisked with for me is the idea that like it took like five years or more to get the three seasons that we got initially. And it was like slow turnaround of low episode numbers. And then they just got the green light to like make another seventy five of them. You know, and it's just asking so much. Now, hopefully they just take a breath and maybe that's what they're doing and they make them on their own pace without any sort of pressure to get them out. But like the stuff that that show does. Is very like it's a very densely packed from episode to episode and it's like you're going to you're burning through a lot of fucking concepts here and like Mr. Nimbus alone could have been the episode. Yesterday, I think he liked year?
1: Mr. Nimbus more than I did.
0: Who did you like in the episode, or what did you like about the episode, Kev?
1: I liked Morty and his girlfriend Jessica. Finally, what? I no, didn't. Kiss, Jessica. Uh, Jessica, sorry. Uh, finally, m- making a connection, but Morty had to touch the water, which wasn't cool.
0: So you you were in it for the the human interest, the romance story. Yes, you just want more to, to they... get a piece of the contentment that you have found.
1: Yes, uh, uh, it's good to see Beth and Jerry are, are, are you know making progress in their relationship. They watch porn together. <laughs> That's the arc. Uh, that <laughs> that, that,
0: <laughs> that is the arc. I'm not saying it's a healthy
1: thing for people to do. Um,
0: I yeah I I. I do fixate on Nimbus, I enjoyed him. It's clearly Harmon It's ju- it is just from an animation standpoint. I always, always, always watch this show from a perspective of like how many backgrounds, how many character designs, how many rigs, how many props, yeah, how much additional uh assets are moving on screen. That show is so goddamn densely packed as a as mm-hmm. a production. Um
1: I like it, but it has drifted a certain way. I think since it's become more popular, it's kind of drifted a certain way. The first couple of seasons uh came out I don't know, like maybe over was it? like I don't I don't like ten years ago, more maybe? I don't know before didn't I be Right.
0: Go on. Um
1: I just feel like I was in my old apartment when I was watching it. Um and my brother kind of, you know, no I just feel like it was a long time ago before I was watching it basically.
0: so how do you well, how do you feel it's yeah. drifted not necessarily it's
1: drifted it's just it's just it's become far more elaborate and wilder each episode like because I didn't watch the last episode of season 5 I think it was I didn't realise it was out or something it was the one where Birdman comes back and he's now phoenix man right
0: I don't, I know I saw it but I can't remember I got a re- it's season 4 you're talking about there and um season Um, 4 sorry I don't remember that I must watch it again
1: Um. Uh, there's an invisible belt the kids are fighting over it then Jerry takes it and he wants to pee and he's like I don't know I can't do it and he's like they were like just doing it he's like I don't know my pee's going to be invisible or not and then his pee isn't invisible and the ship is actually at a slant it's a good episode it's good fun Mm. stuff happens but um, it's like there's a lot there's a lot in it and I think it's just it's become like from like the first one of kind of each episode, kind of like say the dog with like you took away my balls, yeah. Morty. You know that stuff, to kind of like Birdman coming back, half cyborg, alien species, alien. Like that's what was always been in it, but it's like it's like there's a there's a bigger overarching story storyline, but that was less of the case. Well, the,
0: the the thing is, and you're right. It it um it started in 2013, and um. You know, they've they've had to have gone through a number of writers rooms at this point, you know, and like different writing staff coming in and changing directions and pushing, pushing concepts and even like the points of reference updating as we move on, you know, like Dan Harmon's point of references aren't necessarily the same points of reference as a 22 year old, you know, staff writer. I don't know who they get in, you know,
2: um, the guy who wrote this episode wrote a draft of Multiverse of Madness.
1: Yes, I heard that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yes, you were saying that. And is he involved no, there's, there's, in Loki? There's, there's two No, so there's two Ricky Morty writers have worked on Multiverse of Madness. So Michael Waldron or something Waldron is, is the Waldrop or Waldron. He's the Is
1: that the guy who sounds like this? No. I No. Okay. He's the That's Patrick Waldorf.
2: He's the creator of Loki. That's
1: the guy from that's like the,
2: the, the tick. Patrick Warburton. That's it. Yeah. He's the creator of Loki. You guys are
1: weird about things. Go on.
2: But the guy who wrote this episode is Jeff something and he also wrote a draft of where he contributed to Multiverse of Madness. So Multiverse of Madness has two Rick and Morty writers working on it. Mad. Or were, have said, worked on it.
1: I think I said Oh yeah, I heard that before and I think I just heard Brian say it last week. So yes, Brian, you are right. I do recall you saying that?
2: Well, like last week, I was only talking about the Loki showrunner. Mm. Uh, we I hadn't yet okay. seen the Rick and Morty episode, so I didn't know his name until that episode came out. And then I saw an interview with him, and he mentioned that he had worked on Doctor Strange, also. So it's new information. He, it's new info.
1: I like Rick and Morty, and I love Rick and Morty. But sometimes I do get kind of when when like when the picket Rick stuff happened, and then it's like everything's picket yeah. Rick. That kind of stuff annoys me.
0: But that's not... Uh, that's the audience more than the show. Yeah, and, and they, yes. they've, they've, yes, yeah, they've kind sure. of... I've seen so much discussion around this concept. Now. For a while there, it became easier to say I liked Rick and Morty and not easy to say I was a fan of Rick and Morty. You know what I mean? Like, you could like the show, but you didn't want to necessarily associate with the people that fucking like it because a percentage of that audience went batshit fucking crazy and
2: started trying it's to like get that... It's like Tool. That, um, that McDonald's sauce, mm. the... I like Tool's first three albums... But then, Tool fans are. It's actually, it's literally the same thing. It's like, oh, it's so complex and it's so intellectual, and you've got to be really smart to get it. And it's that everything that's awful about Rick and Morty fans is awful about Snyder
1: fans or Rick and Morty fans. Just
2: just fans in general, I guess. (laughs) But uh, the the worst fans of the band Tool have the same same thing that makes them insufferable yeah. is the same thing that makes Rick and Morty fans insufferable. It, it, it's that thing where it's just like, I will
0: happily watch Rick and Morty. I don't necessarily want to be called Rick and Morty fan.
2: Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's, isn't that, isn't that basically though, the kind of, uh, like, kind of f a, a, a third aspect of some fandoms. Yeah. It's like, you can, it's like, you, you can like it, but not like the fans, yeah. you know, it's like, even like sports fans are, are kind of very 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 intense when it comes to fandoms and stuff you know so
0: here's here's the thing then because we started trying to watch Modoc. sports fans are the biggest nerds in the world yeah. we started trying to watch Modoc, <laughs> kind of for this podcast and here we have rick and morty popping back in and it's like am i wrong in saying that rick and morty is eminently more watchable than Modoc?
1: Yes, I started watching the latest episode of *Moloch* last night and I turned it off. Not because it was bad, it's because I wasn't enjoying it. Um, I think if you like Rick and Morty, and there's, is, there, is there going to be one episode a week now? Or I think so. For
0: like, I don't know if they're going to do a mid-season break, but yeah, like there's usually mm. 10 episodes a season.
1: I think you guys should watch Solar Opposites if you've not watched any of it.
0: I've watched
2: it's it. It's so
1: good. Do you like it, Brian?
2: Uh, I did. I he loves
1: did. it. He loves it. I love it. He can just added that in there. I, 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 I love honestly it. honestly thought I'm it
2: was a Brian. fucking coward. It was very weird. <laughs> Brian loved it.
1: Yes, Brian, go
2: on. Uh, I started watching it. Uh, I was it's in the middle it's of it's deadlines. Video. I can hear you. I was in the middle What's of that? deadlines. I can hear you all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, fuck. I heard the
2: one two minutes ago as well. <laughs> go on. Yeah. I started watching it in the middle of deadlines. So I tuned out a bit of what was happening in the later episodes, I need to go back and, and check in on it. I, I did find it it was a little too heavy in places on the over-the-top violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Rick and Morty does it as well, but I think it's maybe a bit more sparingly in that, but it's it happens a lot in Solar Opposites, and it's just like, sometimes it's the entire joke. is how... I don't think Solar
1: Opposites tries to be actually edgy in ways. Yeah. Yeah. without kind of coming off edgier, but it does try to be edgier.
2: Yeah. uh, Like so- sometimes the joke was literally just something very, vi- as opposed to like when it happens to Rick and Morty, it's something else is happening. And then a violent thing happens while something else is going on. It's a bit chaotic. And it's like, oh shit, that happened while the gag is taking place. But very often in Solar Opposites, I found the punchline was literally just, I think it's not the best example, but it's the one popping out of my head where, they said they gave one of their teachers like an adamantium skeleton and wolverine claws and then it cuts to her going through like a, a metal detector um, security check and then her claws burst mm. out and she accidentally like just butchers two or three people. And it's like, that's the whole joke is how yes, violent they, they died. And it's just like, eh, it was kind of weak because it's very often the humor. But the whole, um, what's it called? that wall where they're shrinking people. Yes. That's fucking amazing. It's
1: so good, man. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's so opposite. Basically, it, there's it. this... Yeah. Yeah, the, there's, just, there's this... Uh, there's just this, this really obscure... It's a of, side uh, story that takes over story. the main
2: story. Yeah, so I'll let you, I'll let you explain it.
1: Well, I was just going to say, it's is like... Basically, there's just this like, little story aspect of the show that basically kind of tangents of into his own like fully fledged kind of storyline and even there's a there's a whole episode about it you can watch just that stuff on youtube someone's cut it together or something you know to kind of
2: like, basically one, one of the characters just starts shrinking humans and putting them in like a like almost like a a terrarium like you would for for ants or something mm-hmm. and then before you know it they've got this entire wall full of humans that they've shrunk and then they've built their own civilization their own city in there and certain episodes yeah certain episodes will will just explore what's going on in there and there's yeah. there's like a serial it's killer storyline there's a there's a post-apocalyptic revolution revolution storyline and it's it's brilliant yeah. it's better than the main it's, show
1: Uh, yeah it it really is but like kind of i I love the main show but like me and were like you're watching i like i'd watch a full series of this stuff but the fact that it's just sprinkled through this this is like the kind of like it's just like i can't believe they did it in a sense i I think it started as a
2: joke and then they just got into it and i I think i don't think it would work if it was the main show is the thing because it it, it's just it's just a parody of movie genres and tropes so like if it was a whole twenty minutes of that, I was like, yeah, I, I get it. But when they sprinkle it in, it's it's fun to kind of cut back to it's. But it, it's, it's like the, it's,
1: it's like the cop guy, in it was a writer on Bones or something. He wrote like yeah. one the <laughs> two episodes. It's just it's very very good. Basically, like the little fella for in, in the show, whatever for whatever reason he feels validated, he shrinks people down because he doesn't like them, and then he just puts them in in, in his like ant box or whatever. But uh, he um, he could literally be just like a you know, in the queue and somebody could be talking on his phone loud behind him and he'd just be like, God, what an asshole and he shrinked him down. Like, he he, just, he starts off like trying to get all the assholes but then it's just anybody that kind of inconveniences him or or, or, or uh, annoys him in any way. It's slightly, you know. It, he's awful. It's very, it's very, very funny. It's
2: on Disney Plus. So. Okay, I'll check it out. Check it
0: out. Like, yeah. it's something that I keep rolling past and going, oh, there's that thing that's a bit like, like, it, it has that look of like final space as well. Like just mm, a similar yeah. art style. I can't watch Final Space. Got, I've got a I mate who keeps space. telling me to watch Final oh, Space. Man. I hate it. I've
1: tried so many times. It's I just can't watch it.
2: Awful.
0: Okay. there's
1: one of the people's re- in it called Kevin. I love that name.
2: It really does try to kind of have, have the same humour as Rick and Morty. Like Solar Opposites is very much Rick and Morty. Mm. It's it's. But it's one of the creators. Yeah, it's Dan Harmon. Yeah.
1: It, it... No, I think it's other fellow, Justin.
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. It's Justin Roiland. Yeah. Yeah it's Royland and somebody else Yeah sorry um, Yeah but Final Space Jesus Christ I hate that show I hate Final Space See but now I, I need tried. to
0: watch Final Space So that I can comment on it no, no I don't
2: just watch, Sol- just watch Solar Opposites And then just tell everybody Final Space is bad okay. And it won't matter Yeah Loki this week bad. then
1: I want to say something about Loki Guanto I'm very disappointed with Loki
0: are you disappointed with this week's episode of the show so far?
1: Yes, I think this week's episode mostly. Go on, but like, there's only there's only three episodes left. Right. It needs to pull the finger out and not serve me up some bullshit Doctor Who acting, aesthetic nonsense,
2: nonsense. I wasn't impressed at all. Is the is the biggest budget Doctor Who episode ever.
1: Yeah. I was watching it going like this is Doctor Who. I hate I hate their small English talk. people in a quarry. I hate I just yeah, pretty much like, well I just hated it, right? Really, really, really didn't like it. Uh of course there's aspects of it like and I like the, the singing and all kinds of stuff. Um but for the most part as an episode, like Oh, it's
2: especially weak. when you saw the shots from that episode in the trailer mm. It looks great It's them running from mm. a meteor shower it, it really kind of nice colour palette and stuff It's like oh I can't wait to see what that episode's about And then when you watch it it's like oh they're going to catch a train so, defend it. so to defend it do we need to I mean
0: our reaction to it or your reaction to it is absolutely valid But maybe we need to wait and see it in context of the whole piece before we write it off, like it might be,
1: I I'm yeah like when I say I opened that I mean like kind of obviously it doesn't matter what my opinion is but I mean, yes I I won't say like at the moment I really dislike mm. it but if it if it kind of if it's something that kind of binds the next tree and it's fine or whatever, uh, I I can kind of you know I'd be okay with it to whatever degree but it's just a little slight but it's just so okay, it so.
0: opened with a scene where Sylvie is talking to agent C20 or whatever her name is um in a bar and the the scene kind of resets a couple of times and we get the sense that oh okay she's she's deceiving this person through an illusionary state to get information out of her i really liked that setup i thought that's great to see the way that she works but that meant then the moment she got her hands on loki in that cabin i went everything from this point forward is illusion then is it
2: Am I wrong? That was definitely that. Definitely went through my head. Mm. I don't know. It, it's it, it. It happens in such a strange way because, like, when she approached him so slowly, he mm. doesn't even look up. Yeah, it's just the way they played it out was very odd. So I don't know.
0: Because even even as they address her power set later, they talk about having to stay close to him. Having to create a, an illusion that he feels in control of Or the person feels in control of And there's people have made a thing of the shot Where he catches the skyscraper And throws it back And saves him because goes i got this And he turns around and catches it We've never seen Loki be that powerful We've never seen him catch a building falling And throw it away in the opposite direction And maybe his power set is up to that But it would kind of make sense That like if this is his illusion Where he feels all powerful Maybe that makes more sense um, And then when the ship this is all spoilers for this episode but when the ship that they're making their way towards for blows up and Loki looks on at it as if it's a fucking travesty and she just walks away kind of goes she's just got to go reset and try again or something do you know what I mean
2: or is he playing her that is the other end of it yeah I don't know yeah it, it was too short an episode to be satisfying given what happens in it another thing that seems like a nitpick but it really pulls me out of stuff is like loki can go toe-to-toe with thor he can beat cap easily and he gets thrown out of a train by two guards like what's what's going on with the power set like he can't refer to yourself as a god and then struggle in a fist fight with Last or, yeah, turns. it just it it pulls me out straight away because it just tells me that they've lost sight of the character mm. or they don't know how to create an interesting situation because the character is too powerful. So it's just like, well, let's just ignore the fact that normally he would do this. And it's like it's not I don't think it's a nitpick then. I think it's it's lazy because you're just disregarding things you've already established. And it's like, come up with something better. You know, mm. don't mm. Ha- have them take him out easily. Like, it, it's not going to be tense anyway, because in my mind, I'm like, well, he's he's all powerful instead of me kind of going. It's not going to be a tense scene for me. Instead, I'm just wondering, like, why is this? Why does this need to be a fight scene? Yeah. You know,
1: but also but also Loki kind of taking on the appearance of a guard uh, when she's the enchantress. Why did they have to convince people like he literally just put on a jumper? and showed up and said, hey, this is my prisoner, where did you get on the train? What does he need
2: to convince people? Listen, just, like the, the, the idea that, oh, you know, we don't, use the shining. We don't want to bring all of this on us. And it's like, it's like you, you're... Loki in Avengers in New York wouldn't say, oh, I don't want to bring all these normal people on me because he'd be like, no, fucking, these are ants. He, he, he arrives, that scene, in, is it in Berlin? Or in Ger- yeah. somewhere in Germany. And he tells where all he these people... The takes all these people to kneel and they're terrified of him you know and then he's like oh we don't we got to sneak through here we don't want to bring all these these people even even the concept that makes makes no sense even the concept that they set up in the last episode that you can do whatever the fuck
0: you want during an apocalypse because it's not going to create a a ripple in the tva exactly he could they could just kill everyone on the train and drive the train to where they need to be
2: yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it's not a nitpick then it's like you need to write a better scenario and it just kind of tells me that you were you were really stuck for ideas when you wrote a 30 minute episode and the biggest thing we learned is how our powers work and that all the all the people in the tv are variants and it's like it, t- it takes 30 minutes to get to there and then the episode's over and it's like come on that's yeah. That's poor. I think it's a forty forty minute episode, though. Is it, or is it just a lot of credits
0: on the arse end of it again?
2: By by the time the ship is destroyed, it's at thirty six, and there's six minutes of credits left, and there was probably two or three minutes. So it's it's like a thirty three minute episode of actual story, right? I think. Yeah. When the ship is destroyed, the the time the timestamp is at around thirty six, so six minutes. Because I was so excited at credits. the start of the episode when
0: we see Sylvie
2: in the TVA
0: making for that office yeah. and I'm like okay here we go shit's about to happen
2: and then it's just like yeah tangent off. and that fight scene was good because she just she just walks through them and that yeah. makes sense for her to be able to take them out but then when they're on the train there's two of them now and they're struggling on the train that just just avoid that mm. altogether I, I would rather see them talk and say interesting things to each other than try to wring a dramatic or a tense moment out of something that doesn't make sense
0: there's a moment where she tries to use her powers as she comes into the TVA touches the guy and it doesn't work and it's like we've established magic doesn't work here. She has a relationship with the TVA whether or not. Yeah, she should she, know that. She should know that. Yeah, that that was about reminding the audience that magic doesn't work there, which is annoying just simply because yeah. just fucking get on because with
2: it. Because um she knows so much about them that she she's been there before. This isn't her first time. Well,
0: there's in the there's, TVA, there's a suggestion guarantee. or there's I don't know. One of the guesses as to what's coming is, you know, she was a TVA agent because everyone that was an agent was a variant originally. So mm-hmm. she was an agent and came to came to or got her memories back and probably yeah um, decided to rail against it.
2: Hey, Miss Minutes is one of the time gods, right? Or she's an AI that established the story of the timekeepers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- th- this this friendly cutesy wootsy cartoon is going to prove to be something way more significant. Mm-hmm. Let's, is, let's um, just say these things as if they're facts, and that way we'll sound fucking like fucking soothsayers when we are right. And then if we're wrong, people will forget it.
1: Well, it does obviously... No, it's an
0: Osterdamas thing. If you just keep saying shit, some of it's going to hit.
1: But there's obviously no um, actual TVA. The timekeepers don't really exist because she kept on asking her how many guards protect the time seeker and i was just like she couldn't answer because no guards protect the time seeker no guards to know of and the time the, the, the kind keeper is actually the lady who is in charge of mobius
0: i think so and um, well her and or some some of this is
1: completely in loki's I head st- or i still think it's
2: kang because that character is so important to kang's storyline that why bring her in at all and why cast Jonathan Majors, if you're not gonna have them line up at some point,
1: Richard E. Grant wasn't in this episode, was he?
2: He was not.
0: Didn't we say he was in the next and, uh, four episodes? though?
1: So. yes, yeah. If you take IMDb now, it says he's in three episodes.
2: You can't, so. you can't go by IMDb for for episode count and stuff like that. All we know is that he's in it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just one episode.
1: I wasn't really familiar with the actor playing uh, the Enchantress uh, Sofia de Martino she's been in Holby and, and uh, Heartbeat uh, but to list a few of her movies because I was looking into it the other day she's in A Great Night Out Friday Night Dinner A Royal Night Out Draw On Sweet Night and uh, uh Boss bitch Fight challenge
2: Given that most Of what we've seen Has been Wilson And Hiddleston I Don't Think She has the same Presence I found her kind of weak I, I, I saw a lot of people Disagreeing And saying they, they Thought she was great I really enjoyed her I thought she was quite weak I went the other way I, I, I thought she was very good I liked her
1: Maybe you like Doctor Who though you like Doctor Who? That was Doctor Who energy. Lads in fucking cardigans in the, in a corner with a purple tint over it. Big Doc energy. Not into it. Not into that. That just me, 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 me. Talking. I like talking, but not the
0: not the listening part.
1: Talking. Not the listening part. Not the talk. Not the listening part, right? You're right. He gets me. I,
0: I liked her. I thought she was very good. There's lots of like little fucking nitpicks in this episode. Again, it, again, though, it like Picking at the narrative, it's another episode where there's not too much to fucking pick at. They got in a train, they were trying to get from A to B.
1: I was gonna say, I wouldn't pick it too much, it's just the Doctor Who. It, man, I really just oh, I felt so bad about this episode. It's the worst viewing experience I think I've had of these shows so far. And I really want like I really like Loki and I love I think he's possibly like the most entertaining you know, asking like some of the most entertaining stuff of these Disney Plus series so far but this was by far the most lowest
0: see i was i was really enjoying it just up until it fucking ended and i was like well that's just a really yeah. just that gave us nothing you know i i liked but the, you loved i Hale. liked the setting i liked the i mean we could have got to the train a little quicker i thought that run through the falling building was cool i loved the moment where he caught the building and threw it away even if i'm trying to you know explain it as part of like a fantasy or an illusion that's designed to make him think he's in control I think it's cool to see
2: Loki be that powerful. I think they just needed a, yeah, I think it was just more about the scene needing an extra action piece and it's like, what could he do here? It's like, oh, he could throw a, throw a building up maybe.
1: We, we kind of said the last week's episode was fine and we all enjoyed it and it was fine and stuff, but there was nothing to really kind of, t- to get stuck into too much, you know. And then with this week's episode, kind of We're saying not enough happened. And like, is this show, with the exception of the first episode, is this show struggling a bit? Or do you think there's going to be a big payoff? Is it all going to come together and we're going to be like, you know what? Retrospectively, it's really, really good.
0: I think I'm shaking shaking my head because I think we're seeing the level that this show operates. I think it's going to be a good six episodes of this level. I'm enjoying it. I just wish a bit more, there was a bit more payoff in this episode, but I'm not like, I don't know, I'm not wildly overwhelmed each time. Like, I think we could be, I think we could be booting through this stuff a bit quicker. You know, Um, like, did did it need to be six episodes? Could it be a movie? I think it could be a movie, you know, I think it could be a cool movie chasing a serial killer. The, The references to Seven we've made in the past or other serial killer type pursuit movies. You know, we can do that in two mm. hours. You don't need what what six by forty minutes, six fours is 20, 240. Plus four sixes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think we're going to see anything ludicrous or magical or a change in tone or payoff. I, I think they've established a world. The music is good. The set direction is good. The performances are generally good. We're not getting huge payoffs episode to episode, but I think it'll be a good piece. They've
2: said, they've said episode four and five are. Big changes. I like Brian's
1: pitch uh, of the kind of not the case of the weak thing, but the seven aspect and all that kind of stuff. I like that mm-hmm. stuff. I like that. I thought it was. I thought it was going to be. I know this probably sounds a bit ridiculous. I honestly thought it was going to be more like, oh, like who is the variant and like, like kind of building building her up more as a real formidable foe. Like she know? has been and,
0: kind of deflated, like since since we yeah. saw her it's like, and now it's a uh, okay. They really have, yeah. Because like, I was really
1: hoping for her to be better than the Flag Smashers, which wouldn't be difficult, but you know, better than uh Agatha, uh, which which would be great, you know what I mean? Like, Because Agatha was I, I I liked Agatha, you know. Um but I just thought I just wanted I really thought I really thought like here it this is this is the badass Loki. I I you watched know, Loki's kind of been a bit of a spoiled brat, but this is a badass Loki and it just hasn't paid off. Sorry, right
2: I watched the first two episodes again and um I was actually gonna like Capture it and send it to you because that moment when it cuts to the the apocalypse in 2050 on Earth is, it's such a brilliant cut. It's so atmospheric. It's so dramatic. It's superb.
0: That, that going into like then, the <laughs> shot of him walking into the rainstorm and uh, people keep pointing out the sort of like you've got a brilliant. thunder lightning storm and a guy whose brother is the lightning god, you know, looking up to see, you know, is my brother there, you know, like yeah. it is a nice character moment
2: the, the way the way the music synced up with the it's it's just it's a brilliant brilliant moment like I, I I know I said last week how much I liked it and I watched it again before the new episode I was like Jesus like it, it just it really gets me it's fantastic and then the end of the episode yeah towards the end like her the reveal that it's Lady Loki or Sylvie and she says like this isn't about you and she kind of walks up to the camera and she says this isn't about you it's it falls so flat for me and it would have been better to kind of keep them hooded still and have him follow her through the portal and kind of not not know what's going on and keep the mystery because I don't think she looks great in the costume. She doesn't look comfortable. They've honestly taken a character that was kind of built up
0: as this unstoppable force and reduced her to an underpowered Loki. She doesn't have the magic skill set. She's, yeah. she's a fist fighter. I, I don't think the actress to
2: has the gravitas kind of needed. It, it just, I, I I can think of so many actresses who. Again,
0: I can I like her. I just don't think they're doing that character in a way that we want. We wanted somebody that was just like
2: on fucking top of everything. We wanted the Ferris Bueller of Loki. The, the the first thing that's come into my head is the actress playing Irene Adler in Sherlock. And you know what,
1: Brian? I was going to say the exact same thing in the, in the Benedict Cumberbatch one. She's actually a great shade. Yeah.
0: She's in complete control of that situation. Yeah, I was
1: I was going to say the exact same thing. The exact same. She is brutal. She's brilliant. I don't even like that actress because she played that role so fucking good.
2: Like, she's so good. She owns that scene where he meets her for the first time. It's brilliant. In the, in
1: the aquarium or something or... No, I think no, it, in her it's like when he's in her
0: bedroom. Just, yeah, and she oh yes, yeah. Yeah. gives him it's nothing brilliant. to read, completely distracts him, completely
2: disorients yeah. him. and she she eats up that scene. And like Cumberbatch, is, he's got a lot of presence and she matches him so, so well. But and it's funny you
1: said that because I was thinking the exact same thing that she would have been great. And I, like I said, I'm not even a big fan of that actor because they played that role, that part, yep. like so well like so well, you know?
2: I, I think it needs somebody with that kind of, that kind of presence. And like I said, when she walks up to the camera, pulls down her hood and she's like, she sneers, this isn't about you. And there's something just, she she, she doesn't, it's not the best line reading and her expression when she does it. It just, it, it completely robs the moment of, for me, it robbed the moment of, of the kind of tension it was supposed to have. But like I said, I think she's great in the scene. I think she's great in the scenes out of costume. You know, Mm. Uh, but she just doesn't work for me. And I I think it kind of like, I think as well, given that they established this mysterious variant in episode one and two. And it's like, who is this? Like, like what's happening here? And it just kind of, it falls flat for me. And...
1: And also, true, true, no fault of the actor, you know, true, no fault of the actor, basically. Um,
2: she's doing the version of the
0: character that was written and put in front of her, and they decided she'd be good at doing. She's doing a good job at what she's been asked to do. It's just us looking at it, going, "You've set up this badass version of this character, and you're
2: not like, exactly, yeah." Us have her.
1: And and they've taken away her edge too early, yeah. too early, yeah. you know. And I even thought it was weird that Loki was divulging so much information and I was just like is this him like, manipulating her or is this her manipulating him because I just don't trust either one of them in, this, in the sense that like, they're both gods of mischief you know so it's very hard to, to call
0: who's doing what you know yeah that like, character uh, in Sher- her- Sherlock is Irene Adler isn't it
2: yeah what? it's Laura Pulver I think her name is I'm just, is I'm just looking at cast
0: lists trying to find the name and it's like...
2: it, it might be the woman yeah. Because he always referred to her as the woman.
0: But he, she was Laura like, Palmer. yeah.
2: There you go. Palmer. yeah.
1: I watched, her, I watched her in something else and she was very good in it as
0: well. Um, but it's a great shout in terms of... But it's just, you know, they they
2: picked a different direction for this iteration of Lady Loki. And it's like, that's... Or, you know, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge or the actress in Killing Eve. Like, it needs to have that sort oh of... Oh,
1: my God. Like... Phoebe Waller-Bridge. That's the lady. That's the. That's the woman who. Fleabag. Fleabag. And, yeah. Oh yeah, she would have been
2: an unbelievable. Or movie. the actress in Killing Eve. I'm blanking on her name. But I know who you mean yeah. Killing Eve. I'm not seen that one. But it think. needed somebody with that sort of. Have you seen Killing Eve, Kev?
1: I don't think I have. No, I don't think I have.
2: It's written by Waller-Bridge, and I think is it. Patrick uh, Wonder?
0: Sandra Oh, and um, right. give me a moment to get her name. Jodie is- Comer. Jodie Comer, yeah,
2: it needs that kind of energy. Yeah, Jodie Comer also would have been. Kev, watch one episode of Killing Eve, and okay. Jodie Comer but, playing. But we don't uh, Villanelle like, is.
0: I, I know I, it like I'm needs going, it
2: needs that kind of.
0: I'm bending over backwards to to forgive Sofia De Martino here because it's like she's doing what she was asked to do, and she's doing I it. I think well. it's
2: like I yeah. The thing is with
1: with Sofia as well, like kind of. Uh, If you look at her, I I was only joking about her IBD earlier, but if you actually look at her IBD, it's like, uh, there's a lot of just, like, Holby City, Heartbeat, and, like, one episode, one episode, one episode, one episode. And, like, this is obviously probably her biggest, most substantial role to date. She's definitely, like, kind of has the experience in terms of she's been been working long enough and she's kind of, you know, uh, she's done different, obviously different roles and all that kind of stuff. But I think this was a
0: huge... When I when I think of Lady Loki in the comics when she was first introduced, not even quite. If you think of Game of Thrones, Lena Headey or Natalie Dormer, these just schemers in a in a medieval court. You know that they're there and they are. They, they look lovely and they're part of the, the 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 court and all that's going on but people are dying based on what they're saying and they're just like dangerous dangerous people you know um also and they've turned that into doctor who that can fight and it's like
1: I think if I think if, Sophie, if I did doctor who and then did Loki it might she, she it could be better or something I don't know and um, the lady who was a uh, the the woman who was in um, Game of Thrones and she was the the horrible
2: Cersei. queen but
1: she was brilliant. Yeah.
0: Lena Headey? Yeah.
1: Yeah. She'd yeah. make a great Loki. Did you just say yep. that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So That's okay. I, 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 I kind alluded of, to I kind the of energy like... required rather than saying outrightly that Lena Headey should be Loki. Yeah.
2: But she denailed it. But
1: I like I like Brian because I, I, I thought it was quite quite good as well.
2: I kind of feel like This is definitely the MCU's version of Enchantress. Yeah. And Enchantress was also in The Young Avengers at a certain point. Right. Right? And I feel like they would not cast this actress to play the MCU's Enchantress. You think they cast her Going forward for a bigger role.
0: You think she lives in TV and Young Avengers rather than cinema world. No, yeah, I I no, I'm she's gonna get killed off.
2: She's gonna get killed off and Loki is going to we're gonna find out that like that reset stick or something inserts a person back in in a point in time and she's going to maybe die or something, but Loki's gonna find a way to we're gonna hear she, she did she didn't know her mother, right? Mm. So she was robbed of a childhood. We're gonna find out that Loki's gonna learn all this. She's gonna die, but Loki's gonna find a way to give her a second shot. And then the next enchantress we see is going to be the age appropriate version for the young Avengers. And it's going to, because I think there's some version in the comics, (laughs) there's there's some version in the comics where Loki uh, gives those powers to an ordinary person or something. And that's the version of a And that's what this is going to set up because again, This isn't a criticism of the actress. It's like there's no way they cast her as the MCU's enchantress. Yeah, she's 37 or something. They need a 15 year old or a 20 year old for the young Avengers. So she she's going to she's we're going to we we'll think we'll think she's dead or has been killed or something, but we're going to find out that that stick sorry that that stick that they use Mm. that erases people actually returns them to a certain point in the timeline or something. And given that she Yeah,
1: that makes sense because I thought it was pretty violent.
2: Given that she's uh yeah. Given that she Yeah. It's it's way too violent. It's too cold. We're we're gonna find well, out I don't I don't even think it's necessarily that it um if you think about like I We're gonna think that she's been killed, but we're gonna find out that Loki actually returned her so that she gets a second shot at a a childhood that yeah. that she talked about missing. See I don't and think, think it's
0: returned. I, I hear exactly what you're saying and that makes perfect sense. But if everybody there is a variant, then it's not so much returned as, you know, the variant is deleted but the original exists on the timeline. You know, the variants are being kept around because they make good bureaucrats and policing forces with their minds wiped a bit. But, you know, if we decide, yep, that one's gone, gone. But Sylvie's still on the timeline living the life that is according to the the Holy whatever they call it the sacred timeline so (laughs) i think we've 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 talked through loki enough there and we're we're yeah well into the the podcast at this point so i just want to like touch on some of the other films i watched this week Mm -hmm. and i know uh, at least two of us have seen some of these and i think it's just just to give other um i don't know recommendations or um Options here at the end. I watched mm-hmm. Book Smart and I know that that is two, Loved three it. years old at this point, and I never got around to it. And I just heard good things at the time and people going, um, Why isn't this movie getting more attention? It's uh, Olivia Wilde with Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Fever starring. It's kind of super bad energy, end of a school year, uh, teenagers out in a night out, chaos ensuing. I thought it was funnier than Super Bad. A hundred percent. I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Super Bad. Yeah. the The characters liked each other. You felt their friendship. You felt you felt the sincerity of their pain when there was pain, and their joy when there was joy. And I didn't quite get that from you know a period blood stain on Jonah Hill's trouser leg. The other thing I wanted to say in there though is there's a character running around through it who's this like chaos thing that is. Um, uh, Gigi is the character. I don't know if you remember her. Mm-hmm. You don't. Okay. Um, did you enjoy that character? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Billy Lord is her name, and that's Carrie Fisher's daughter. I did not know that. The only references or the only point of reference I had for Billy Lord was like the last two Star Wars movies. They made a point of sticking her in there in like command roles and just going, like you'd see Carrie going, and this is my daughter, and this is my daughter, and it's like, okay, I thought it was a sort of nice cameo. And then to watch Booksmart and go, oh, this person is the most fun person in this fucking film. Uh, Billy Lord, a revelation. There you go. So I want to see her do more <laughs> stuff. Um, Jason Sudeikis is good fun, as always. I don't know who played the other teacher who just, like, went to the party, but she was cool as well. Um, the fucking... It's worth watching, Kev, if you haven't. It's on Netflix. Everybody okay. check it out. I think it's just... Well, good fun and... You're not speed racing me, are you? No, not at all. Uh, I think... Yeah. like it owes a bunch to kind of the 21 Jump Street super bad world of things just based on how it uses the medium but they do a great job of it the other thing I guess on my list then because I've, I've I've two more films and we'll wrap it up and we'll see if we can engage with you on this I watched The Edge which is a 1996 if you look on some websites 97 if you look on others it's up on iTunes I think you can get it on YouTube It is Lee Tamahori, the director of Once Were Warriors and I think Along Came a Spider and a couple of other things.
2: And and Die Another
0: Day. Die Another Day. The Edge, 1997, Lee Tamahori coming off of Once Were Warriors. I think this is like a year later. Um, Script by
2: David Mamet. uh, Music by Jerry Goldsmith. Produced by Art Linson, who produced Fight Club. Um, Awesome So I know this because I read an article from I think it was from 1998 maybe In Vanity Fair And it was an excerpt from Art Linson I can't remember the name of the book But it was an excerpt from Art Linson's book about producing And he had just I think he had recently produced The Untouchables Was his last big hit Right I think And it was a big hit um and it was this big production it was brian De Palma, and like the costumes were amazing and it's it's got this david mammoth script and that was his last big hit and he kind of needed another one sorry i've i've derailed this a little bit here but uh basically art linson wrote a book art linson wrote a book about you know being a producer essentially and the the excerpt i read is about the edge and how it came about and it's fucking brilliant um well at the time I found it brilliant I, I don't know if I'd find it as entertaining but essentially he had he had written or he had produced The Untouchables it was a big hit and he had a couple of films in between that didn't perform as well and David Mamet who wrote Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and a bunch of other stuff uh, had written the script for uh, The Untouchables so he said you know I'll contact him and see if he's got anything and he calls him up and the conversation literally goes something like you know like let's let's do something again and you know, the last thing was a hit and he's like what do you got and he's like thinking about something with a bear maybe and that was it it was literally like he wanted to do something with a bear and then there's stories like baldwin was really difficult
0: oh really and
2: baldwin had grown a beard because he'd put on a bit of weight and then he showed up on set with the beard and they were like you got to lose the beard we we don't we we didn't hire baldwin with a beard for the movie we want to see like movie star baldwin and stuff and there was just him hiding in the trailer and trying to convince him to to shave the beard and all this stuff. I'll, I should look up the name of the book now because it's no point. Do because uh, like um, I'd I'd read that actually. Um, yeah, because it it falls into like the. Um, if I can find the article from Vanity Fair, because I'm pretty sure I still have it. Uh, I think it's called "What Just Happened." Right. Dubbed by the Los Angeles Times, a breezy anatomy of ritual humiliation. <laughs> Art Linson's Hollywood memoir, yeah. Okay. Um, he, he he's he's been around for a long time. He's produced a lot of good films. Um, but yeah, the the excerpt in Vanity Fair from, like I said, I think it was nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine. Yeah. And so I w- I would have been, you know, fourteen or fifteen, reading about like, you know, the behind the scenes chaos kind of of a producer and and him spilling everything. Yeah, and just the kind of chaos of it all, uh, very entertaining. So that w- that was. Yeah, the edge had already come out, and I hadn't seen it, yeah. and I didn't really have much interest in seeing it. But then after reading how it came about and everything, I was like, oh, I gotta watch this movie now. So, and you watched yeah. it. What did you think of it? It's entertaining. Um, it's it's very it's very silly. Uh, there's a lot of David Mamet stuff in there. Like Hopkins' character is ridiculous. Just like you know, like he's got all these soundbite pearls of wisdom yeah. that are so David Mamet. Yeah. I don't know if anybody knows david mamet uh, check out glengarry glen ross it's just a very sexual perversity in chicago soundbitey kind of dialogue and stuff and yeah um yeah i mean he's definitely
0: that sort of like sorkin world of like snappy chat you know um you can yeah you can you, you can identify a mamet in the same way that you can a sorkin He's yeah. a, he's a little less obvious but um It's a a billionaire that gets lost in the woods with Alec Baldwin, and they get hunted by a bear. And I knew that as the premise going in, and I was like, how are they going to do this fucking bear thing, though? Like, is it just going to be, like, shitty glimpses of a bit of a furry prosthetic, or what is it? There's a fucking bear, and I don't know if it's a, like, a juvenile bear that's not as big a threat, because they do that sort of thing with, like, chimps and stuff, but... That is a big ass fucking bear and they do a great job of putting actors near bears. And I don't know what the human or the, the animal rights people would say. I hope that bear was treated well, but I was fucking really impressed by how, how much bear on actor action there was. I don't know if you agree a silly or if It's there, but it's,
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's a silly movie and it's, yeah, if we're stuck for something to watch. I would definitely check it out, especially e- even more so. read the memoir first, mm. <laughs> probably enhance the viewing experience. I would say.
0: Um, I um, saw it listed next to um, um. Who's the guy that wrote? I always forget this. The Princess Bride. Uh, Goldberg William Go- Goldberg is it? William Gold Goldsmith? Goldman Goldman Goldman. Um, so when I Goldman? was looking to when I was looking to watch The Edge the thing that came up at the same time was The Ghost in the Darkness. Apparently you could buy a box set at one point of these two films next to each other. And um, Okay. Uh, William Goldman's biography um, What Lie Did I Tell You? Um, is is a similar thing and he has an account of making The Ghost in the Darkness or writing The Ghost in the Darkness. Um, I hope I'm thinking of the right thing. Um, hold on, I'll do a little Googling. Um, but it's, it's similarly like... Um, you know just Hollywood horror stories I think Michael Douglas was a producer on it Douglas yeah um, Michael okay so Michael Douglas was a producer on it and he talks about how um, you know Michael Douglas was the ideal producer his his notes were perfect his input was great he had a great sense of cost and this that and the other and he gave great feedback on the script and then he decided he wanted to be in the movie and suddenly he had thoughts on his character and then he became actor Douglas and he was a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> suddenly it was about how he could look good on film and um he just said that Douglas's notes just destroyed what had been a kind of cool Quintesque character. Um Jaws Quint Quintesque um, character who like is this hunter that you know nothing about and everybody loves him in every draft because he is this mysterious Logan type even, you know, the Wolverine thing. The character that is cool because you know next to nothing about him. And suddenly he wanted, you know, like backstory about his family being killed yeah yeah by him. Yeah. yeah um but that's a, a book i recommend as well it's like i think it's what lie did i tell you anthony hopkins alec baldwin elma McPherson's in it as well um bart the bear gets a nice shout out as the credit on the end of it i think it goes on a little too long it, it definitely feels like there's a mammoth interpersonal relationship drama thing that was written first and then they stuck a bear in it and even though the bear kind of took over the movie, they still felt like they needed to do the relationship thing at the end of it. And it's like, it was, it was bear first. It was bear uh, first. Going by the memoir, going by the memoir.
2: It was bear first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, it, it does a great job of like, I don't know. I, I just think it's great. I love the sweeping shots of the mountains with the, the airplane. Um, Hopkins is 96. He's probably only, well, I guess silence of the lambs is a few years out at that point. Um, I had a great time. I was really impressed. Um,
2: I think they actually made a film of Linson's book, but apparently it's not great. Like people liked the book, but the film's not great. I think the De was on the film, I think. Oh weird. Um but yeah, the film not great as far as I know. Okay. But That's what's called What book, Just Happened? Book Book Entertainment. What just happened, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I might
0: I'm I think I'm gonna check that out. That's kind of right up my alley of dubious interpersonal bullshit. Um, <laughs> the the last thing I watched then is Wrath uh, of Man with uh, Jason Statham. It's the new Guy Ritchie thing. Um, I I like everybody in this movie. I had fun watching this movie. It's a little all over the place. Um, it's is it directed by um, Guy Ritchie? Directed by Guy Ritchie. Jason Statham what is a, an armored car guard who's got a job at Fortigo Armored Cars and. I honestly just
1: thought that was just one of those like, you know, kind of straight to movie or straight to video uh, action movie releases that kind of no one really cares about. The kind of stuff that like Nicolas Cage. Yeah, the kind of uh, stuff that Statham
2: usually makes outside of the Fast and Furious franchise. The the first thing that hits you. Even though Transporter was The
0: first thing that hits you watching this film, it opens with a a, a scene where you'd like don't see the driver of the the truck you're like in the back of the truck And you don't see the driver and it's like The the line reads and the performance Are so sort of like wobbly It's like is that Guy Ritchie oh, really? Doing an American accent or something I don't I can't Vouch for that at all but it's just a weird Like that's odd And as you watch it The amount of people in this movie Who are not American Doing American accents And Like like, you've got Neve Algar, who's Irish, Tyke Murphy, who's Irish, um, Jason Statham's English, but he's sticking to his English thing. Um, oh, you've got some of the guys from The Gentleman in it as well. The amount of people doing American accents that are just not American, it's such a weird choice, but it's Guy Ritchie working with people he wants to work with, which is fucking fun, you know. Um, Neve Algar is um, an Irish actress, so is Tyke Murphy. This movie is two hours long and it feels long. And the reason is you watch like a 20 minute, 25 minute opening set piece and then it resets and you learn about this character again for 25 minutes, getting you back to kind of where you started. And then it resets and you watch another 20 minutes from the perspective of the robbers. And all I wanted was to move forward with the story I saw from the start. You know, I, I could have we we watched three openings Three film openings Before we get to Now let's proceed with I guess third act at this point Um, But At the same time I did have a lot of fun It's Opening credits Are very Bond reminiscent Like the opening shot Has this sort of, sort of 70's crime assault On Precinct 13 vibe The opening credits Are really Bond like Which makes me think Guy Ritchie's angling For the next Bond movie In a sort of Post Sam Mendes Kind of world The score and some of the long hold shots, especially with Jeffrey Donovan in the mix as well, made me think of Sicario. Um, So, um, there's a lot going on in this. And, like, I do like Guy Ritchie movies for the most part. um, Because I think he's always trying to do something, you know. And whether or not... You know, he's not... um, I don't know he's not Lars von Trier he's not making like weird art house films he's not quite Spielberg he's not making universally loved action adventures but he's trying to do things in the middle and they're often really good fun with a very distinct Guy Ritchie thing on it. I like the two Sherlock Holmes movies um, I enjoyed The Gentleman with McConaughey um, uh, I wasn't a big snatcher and lockstock guy man from uncle it's all right. That King Arthur thing didn't I do I like it for Snatch and
1: Lockstock, and I like The Gentleman.
0: Yeah, like that. I'm just trying to, like, just. I have this impression in my head that, like, I don't like Guy Ritchie movies, but then that's just based on I didn't quite enjoy Snatch. And then if I look at the rest of his catalogue, I'm like, oh, I do like Guy Ritchie movies, and I enjoyed this movie. It is a remake of a French film called, I think, The Cash Truck, or in the credits it says, based on Le Convoyeur, which, you know, Conveyor made me think Transporter then it's Jason Statham and just going, is this movie based on a movie called The Transporter? I do like The Transporter. And there's a TV series of that as well. But then you start looking at Guy Ritchie's um, IMDb and as part of his like, there is a Lockstock TV series. There is a Snatch TV series. They're trying to make a Gentleman TV series. This guy has. I've never seen seen these things, but I I think they've tried to convert maybe as a pilot made for Mm -hmm. each of these things and it didn't quite take off. I don't know. That is my my wrath of man rant. I think it's worth checking out. Just like both of these films are, you know, good couch fodder. I guess you know, like films I definitely enjoy sitting down and watching on the couch. that make sense. Fair, yes. Okay. Um, is Bryson here? Know. It's hard to know.
2: I'm still here. Okay, um, I'm still here. Silky, silky voice. Okay, I didn't realize it was oh, very yeah, rich movie.
1: I'll, I'll definitely watch it because I'm pretty sure there's a there's a Wrath of Man and it's um or the Wrath or whatever and it's uh, John Travolta.
0: <laughs> I I would be very curious to see how how actively Guy Ritchie pushes for James Bond. I'd be curious to see if that happens because he he's making his Guy Ritchie things. You know, the gentleman is definitely that. You know. Brit action in a suit, um, R G bargy. Have you, you watched know, it? Definitely? I have. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it's excellent. Uh, but then at the same time, he did Aladdin. Oh, Aladdin was brutal. But it Aladdin <sighs> made a fuck ton of money, so he's. I think he has. Aladdin
2: was always going to make a fuck ton of money. Well, that's it. Yeah. I think
0: he's flipped a switch in his head where he's like, I think I can make some. Like really stupid, but really popular and successful films. That will allow me to then go off and make my other Guy Big Ritchie th- films. Um, I still want i uh, uh, I'd want a third Sherlock Holmes movie.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Maybe Guy Ritchie, if Guy Ritchie was to do something within the MCU, for example, what would you what would you
0: think? Pass. Excalibur. See, that's what he'd, he'd immediately land on. He'd be doing Captain Britain. Ah. I don't... The thing is, I don't want him... I want him doing Guy Ritchie things. I like Guy Ritchie things. Do Guy Ritchie things. St- stay away from my superhero stuff. I like my superhero stuff. Maybe
1: no, Maybe he could do a heist movie with Gambit or something. That'd be pretty cool. I just... Brad Pitt can be Gambit, right? You're on board with this. I know it.
0: I think there is a. Th- no. I think there is a. <laughs> there is a thing with the MCU stuff where you see them f- kind of filtering out the sort of auteur type auteur as such a pretentious word, but like you know, Edgar Wright was removed. Like they, they're getting rid of people that are doing very very different. I things. think Edgar Wright
2: was removed because he's probably difficult. Because he wants to make the film he wants
0: to make, yeah. but I think Guy Ritchie wants to make the film he wants to make. And I didn't just Yeah, but let I Guy I also Ritchie think the
2: Russo's made precisely the film they wanted to make. I think Ryan Kugler made precisely the film he wanted to make. Yeah, you know?
0: I know, I know. And I'm talking from a, an entirely a place of uninformed bullshittery. I do feel like Marvel pick people they can work with. They know what they know what they want, they know what they get, and I don't want Guy Ritchie fucking around the MCU making everybody fucking British we could do without the British
1: (laughs) (laughs) no I like I like that I think Guy Ritchie could do a great MCU
0: movie what MCU movie you want Guy Ritchie um what
1: MCU I mean I can see him doing Constantine
0: Um,
1: Constantine yeah yeah but maybe okay maybe not MCU but like yeah, he could do a Wicked Constantine. Like, why not, like, kind of with his, because with, like, with his world building and, like, they're kind of, like, a different, like, you know, character and sets and all King that Because King Arthur
2: stuff. was bad, that's why. Or whatever that film was called. Was that was King a bad
0: Arthur. film. It, it, I, it was King It was rubbish. King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Which one was that? King, uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword with Charlie Hunnam as Arthur. Oh, I never watched it. And David Awful. Beckham as the guy yeah. watching over the sword. Awful. See, here's the thing. I think I watched it, but I don't remember any of it. So now I think I have to go and watch it again.
2: It's because it was awful. I think okay, he's, di- he's, di- he's directed really some stinkers too. You
1: know, maybe Guy Ritchie. Well, he did that one. He did the movie with Madonna, didn't he?
0: With who? With who? Madonna. Well, he married Madonna. He did a movie with her on a
1: beach or something, no?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it was an absolute dive.
2: Revolver is fucking garbage. Richie's Revolver. Is that uh, I uh, revolver? Statham. It's yes, I, loved it. I don't know. Statham's in it and it's terrible. It's so fucking pretentious. It's bad. Yes, excellent stuff. Watch 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 revolver. Fucking garbage movie. I say this is somebody who doesn't dislike Richie. I like I like Snatch. I like Sherlock Love Holmes. I Snatch. I like Love Sherlock Holmes. I like rock and roller. I don't think they're love amazing, but they're entertaining. Love Rock, Locked Stock. Um, uh, but... I very much love everything love Guy
0: Ritchie's has done, and I'd be happy to be in one of his movies. Thank you very much, Guy.
1: You're both
0: weird. Rock and Roller, uh, Revolver. I haven't seen. Um, Man from Uncle was kind of disappointing. I think he, he like mm. he he likes things I like. Like Man from Uncle definitely has a sort of like. I'm watching the filmmaking, and he's like. He's definitely cribbing off of like like the McQueen Thomas Crown affair with the split screen stuff. Yeah. Like I think he's got the right influences. I just don't think he kind of pulls it off, you know? The split the split screen stuff, the split screen stuff he does in um Man from Uncle is confusing. He puts six different shots on screen at the same time whereas if you go and watch like the Thomas Crown affair, those shots go on screen in sequence in a way that you can follow you know you do end up with six shots on screen but they're presented to you in such a way that they're readable by an audience and he i think he had the impetus to do the thing but he then kind of didn't do it in a way that was readable but then everybody else watched it and went that's fine so i don't know maybe i'm just an idiot
2: no no you're very smart (laughs)